it's fascinating you bring up the three-fifths compromise that it disproportionately empowers these slave states in congress as and we're seeing not, something not too dissimilar right now with 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 the, the the illegal immigration crisis the border crisis that everyone agrees on this is giving disproportionate power to the democrats once again there's but there's a reason for that and that the reason of that is the permanent appropriate appropriation act of 1929 so in leading up after the Civil War and after the Gilded Age or during the Gilded Age, immigration became a major part of American society and it started to give more power to the northern states the same way that the slaveholders were able to first import slaves and then grow slavery inside of their states and gain power. The northern states were able to do that through immigration. And you had this massive disagreement because the House is fixed at 435 because of this act but before that it grew with the population to to maintain a decentralized power structure to give people a voice in their government but we capped it in 1929 and the we capped it for that exact same that reason that you just brought up brought up is the fact that they couldn't decide who was supposed to be counted for purposes of apportionment was it supposed to be just american citizens or was it supposed to be all persons there was an argument on each side of it it got stalemated in congress for over 10 years wow. and eventually they just kicked the problem to the executive they wrote this temporary act which became permanent because they just stopped doing it but ultimately that's the answer right there is it's Congress's job to apportion uh, representatives to the people so they can actually run their government and they've con consolidated that power into themselves. So the three for this compromise is fascinating because the average person, I would assume, I mean, in, in my life growing up, they think that it was these slave owners who thought that slaves were not a full person. The reality is the Confederacy wanted the slaves to be whole persons for the purpose of, of, of counting individuals and voting and all that. And the North was like, no, 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 no. You can't claim them to be property and full persons for the purpose of voting and all that. So the South wanted them to be counted because it would give them more power. Yeah. The North said, no way, you can't have it both ways. Well, that's because it wouldn't be their power. It wouldn't be the slave's power. It right. would be their power. Exactly. Right? And, and so, and that's the argument is like, well, you can't, you can't have it both ways. You yeah, have and that's an example one. of the, of the history being written by the victors. Because I remember, like you just said, in high school and, and, and middle school, you learn that storyline that the Southerners were for slavery and they were the bad side, right? And so they wanted to consider the slaves to be less than human, therefore three-fifths of a person. But reality, it was really like you're saying about the, the, the Northern states didn't want that extra representation in the South. Well, well to, I, be, to be fair, I think they, were, they uh, in many ways, on that core issue is vile. <laughs> and well, like of course. as bad as you can get. Like these people should be counted so we have political power, but we will dictate what they do. I'm surprised. Uh, I, I look, the North was very racist. You know, this this idea that they were like, oh, I can't believe how racist these other. No, they were all racist. Um, but it is shockingly despicable to be like, we will own people. They will get political power and we will wield it dirty. Well, to put it lightly. So I think it's not that the the Northerners. Um, it's like. It's difficult to understand. They all kind of, I mean, Thomas Jefferson was a Southern slave owner, okay? And he was the proponent of the Northwest Ordinance, was the first ordinance that kind of uh, it described how to bring new territory into the country. And it, it said that you couldn't have them as, as slavery. Our founders did not like slavery. They did not want slavery. They grew up with it. Like it, it's hard to change an economic system overnight, right? You have to change it over time. And they kind of set forward a plan to do it. I mean, 
they get a bad rap for all this stuff, but the reality is it's not them that mess this up. It's the it's the next generation of American leaders. It's starting in the antebellum period. It's starting with John C. Calhoun and all the Southerners that that see that their power is going to slip away and they change the argument of, well, slavery is a necessary evil to slavery is a positive good. And, and it's not a positive good. I, I take a look uh, today at uh, the foreign wars the U.S. Are inv- has been involved in and I think history will look back on the United States today and they'll be like, how could they have been so evil that they 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 let their government just bomb countries they weren't at war with? I mean, it's shockingly insane. You look back, we look back at someone like Thomas Jefferson, who, Southern slave owner, and tried getting in the Declaration of Independence, this basic, basically this attack on the crown for advancing slavery in the colonies, despite being a slave owner himself. And you take a look at uh, today, and there are many individuals who have benefited from war directly, funding it, who oppose it. There are many people in this country every day that in some way uh, uh, are involved in, in like, uh, um, inadvertently or otherwise, in many different things. And in the future, they may say, I can't believe they were supportive of that. How could you vote for a president who would ever advocate for these kinds of military excursions into foreign countries illegally. It's it's shocking, right? But you take a look at where we are with Donald Trump and with Joe Biden. And uh, while Trump is, in my opinion, the best we've had uh, in my lifetime in terms of foreign war, he still fired 59 Tomahawk missiles into Syria. He still had drone strikes in the Middle East. He, he inherited that. And it may come in the future, they'll say, you know, Donald Trump opposed war and wanted our troops out. And then someone will say, yeah, but he was uh, he was dropping bombs. He was doing all these things. This is nature of of politics. You can't just snap your fingers and end or change these things, no matter how bad they may be. Back to the issue of, you know, Thomas Jefferson, for instance, we get this narrative from many people in this country that they were evil slave owners, but they actually were trying to stop it. And then uh, the interesting thing about what happened with civil war in this country for uh, I was and you can probably speak to this better than I could, but there was talk of civil war in the 1820s. I was reading some articles about 1812. I mean, the war of 1812. I mean, they wanted uh, the. Uh, the Northerners wanted to secede because of the War of 1812 because they didn't like war. I mean, war is not a good thing, right? I mean, it it, it hurts the people overall. And so there's always there's always going to be a group of people that feel left out. And they're, the first instinct for people in that scenario is to take their ball and leave, you know? And that's sometimes it's good because if you have somewhere to go and you can be safer somewhere else, then by all means do it. But if you don't have anywhere to go, you kind of have to stick around and figure out how to solve the problem. There's that saying... Any fight you can avoid is a fight you've won. And uh, I, I like to reference this video that's viral on the internet of this like martial arts black belt, you know, sensei teaching his students. And he's like, I'm going to teach you the one technique, the one master technique to win any fight, no matter what. And everyone's all excited and they're sitting down. And then he, he goes in front of the guy. And then as soon as the fight starts, he runs from the room, waving his arms in the air and just disappears. And then everyone laughs and claps and he comes back in and he was like, you don't want to fight. You, you, do, you do not want to fight. You've won if you've not fought. And so that's that's an important message that I think a lot of people uh, don't understand, especially as you're mentioning that the North didn't want to. But let's bring it to a modern context. Uh, I was saying, I, I don't think there's any scenario where there could be a, a like in terms of Cal exit or secession, there's talk about like the state of Jefferson, uh, uh, what greater Idaho perhaps, or um, what's Jeff, uh, state of Jefferson or breaking California into Northern and Southern or, or East and West. If they're within the United States, I can see that as a potentiality, long shot, billion to one. 
But if that happened, I'd be like, oh, wow, you know, that's that, that here we go. I mean, it's possible. And because of the overarching structure of our government, law enforcement, military, if say Idaho had a vote in Oregon and went to Congress and they approved it, and then a portion of Oregon went to Idaho and a portion of Northern California did, I don't see violence in that regard. I just see it being politically impossible for the most part. It's substantially more likely, in my opinion, that a state simply just says, we out. But then you get violence. So I'm curious your guys' thought on, you know, whether I think you were, sa- you, you were saying earlier, secession is not what started the Civil War. And it's not what causes the violence. The, in, the, the, the initiation of violence starts the war. And so I'm curious if you guys want to dive into this. What do you think happens should California or Texas or any other state say we're leaving the, the United States? Where does that go? Well, I, I would say, first of all, we have political, politically motivated violence right now. And no states are seceding. So, I mean, this idea that we're going to have violence because of it is just going to be a continuation of that. Maybe it'll get worse. But if the intent of the secession is to try to alleviate the core reasons of why that political violence is growing in this country, I think it's a noble cause. Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't work. But I think that I would like to have the opportunity to say that uh, we at least tried to avert uh, a civil war. If we could, maybe it's, uh, you can call me an idealist or call me naive or something. I just think that we should try to avert that. We shouldn't be trying to drum it up. And if we can recognize that there are some core problems that are causing political division in this country, political violence to become more, uh, common, maybe we can do something to alleviate that. And me, the idealist says, let's try to redraw the lines at least. And so I think that that's an important, uh, uh, point there, but I, I think that what you're saying there with dividing these different, uh, these different lines up with California, for example, and Oregon, uh, I, I think that it's possible to do that without there being the so-called civil war. And I think that it's important to kind of define what the civil war is. I mean, there's a lot of people and I kind of agree with them to say that maybe you completely disagree with me as being the historian here, but the civil war, I don't really consider it to be a civil war the first one because it was a war of secession it was a uh a war for the north to keep the south in the country it wasn't a war between let's say hordes of people in streets 